baby. Welcome, everyone, to the You're Still Out Golf Podcast, part of the Sports Pros Network, where we're always talking sports, so let's start the conversation. I'm your host, Keith Needham, and I'm joined today via Zoom with a very special co-host and friend of the pod, Mr. Justin Hoppick. Hop, how are we doing this afternoon, bud? I'm doing fantastic, Keith. Thanks for having me on, man. Man, so glad to have you on the pod and have some real talent uh, on the podcast for for the first time in a long time, my friend. So our good friend, Jay Till, obviously out on vacation this week, taking the family up to KC Legoland. All kinds of crazy stuff for Jay Till going on this week, but a much-deserved vacation for Jay Till. Jay Hop filling in. And Jay Hop, a lot of stuff happened in the world of golf this week, my friend. So we got a lot to talk about, don't we? I'm excited. I feel I feel uh, very lucky to be on the pod this week with with all the good stuff that happened in the golf world, no doubt. It's a good week to be on, my friend. And again, kind of a lot of stuff happened this week. We're kind of maybe a little bit of a lull coming up this week. And then, oh, right over the corner, my friend, we got the U.S. Open coming up out at Torrey Pines. Going to be so excited to talk about that. And of course, we'll save that. So there's plenty, plenty of U.S. Open uh, stuff to talk about uh, before we get there. But before we get into all the stuff that happened over the last week, Hop, as always, we got to show some love to our sponsor and of course that is chalk sports bar everybody knows about chalk right 1324 west memorial road uh there at chisholm creek plaza you can follow ben chad and the entire chalk team on the web at chalkokc.com or follow them on twitter and instagram at chalkokc and hop and we got some big news on our sister podcast with the yankee wankers the soccer pod so i know you you're probably a footy guy as well right so you're a very cultured guy right hop uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that uh, was all I needed, my friend. So, <laughs> well, let me let me drop some knowledge on you here, Help me Hop. out, buddy. Help me out. I'm going to drop some knowledge on you, my friend. So, we get the European Championships that kick off on Friday, right? So, this is kind of the World Cup for just the European countries, and arguably, probably a better competition whenever it's all said and done. But that's going to kick off on Friday. But over the course of the next month, Hop, we are partnering up with our friends at Chalk and our friends at Chihuahua Cerveza to give away a big green egg grill man now these things are legit they're super super nice uh contest is going to start this week obviously lots of ways to make entries into the contest right you can follow the podcast uh you can subscribe to the podcast right so you can like retweet some of the 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 tweets that we're going to be sending out here go to chalk take a picture of yourself at chalk post that and we're going to be using the hashtag big green euro uh all month long so to find out all the ways that you can get entries into that and so the drawing will take place in july again kind of a month-long competition but use the hashtag big green euro that's e-u-r-o there at the end and uh, we'll make sure that we get your info and get you entries into the giveaway and again we'll be giving away that big green egg early in july uh, right before the finals of the uh, the euros uh, coming up there i think the second week of july is when we'll be giving that away but i mean you're probably a grilling guy though right hop so you, you like you like that stuff right 100%. I know big green eggs. A lot of buddies have them. Uh, I haven't gone that route yet, but definitely, uh, oh yeah, they're good. Well, it's a nice piece of equipment. There's no doubt about it. So a big special thanks to our friends at Chihuahua Cerveza uh, for helping us out. And as always, uh, a big special thanks to our friends at Chalk. Again, always the favorite. That is Chalk Luxury Sports Bar. Well, Hop, let's get into it, my friend. So I wanted, I wanted to 
throw out just a quick recap of my trip out to the NCAA Golf Championship at Scottsdale last week. And my goodness, uh, what what a fun event, bud. So we were talking about it on Saturday, and we'll talk about what took place on Saturday as well, uh, the uh, the fun golf event that you and I were a part of on Saturday morning. But you know, my, my thoughts were, if more people would go to that event once, Hop, they would go to it every single year, my friend. So how much fun was that? So it, it, a great event. Again, Pepperdine, got to tip your cap uh, to the waves there. You, you look at the murderer's row that they <laughs> go through to clinch their second NCAA title, my friend. Florida State, Oklahoma State in the semis, and then obviously OU in the finals. I mean, how much of it did you get to catch on TV, Hop? I know you've been to the event in the past as well, right? I have, yeah. And uh, like you, I, I'm a huge convert. Um, you know, after going to, a, you know, Lot NFL games, Major League Baseball games, college football games. Um, it blows my mind the value that you get out of the entertainment and the experience. You get to be, you know, you're not paying hundreds of dollars to sit up in the nosebleeds. You're right there. You're seeing amazing action right behind. You're getting to hear the coaches talk to their players, the strategy that they're going through. And how much did it cost for you to get in? Absolutely nothing, my friend. That's what I thought, yeah. Um, so I've been, I, I, I was bummed that it, that it moved to, to Greyhawk down in Scottsdale this year. Cause the past two years, 2019 that they held it, 2018 was within driving distance of it, you know, blessings in Arkansas in 2019 and, and at Carson in 2018. So got to go to both of those and fantastic events. Can't recommend highly enough next time. Uh, you know, people travel for, for bowl games, travel for this. If this, if, if your school's in, uh, you know, in the tournament, go, go support them. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And and you mentioned that, you know, they moved the tournament out to Greyhawk for the next three years, Hop, kind of a, I don't know if controversial is the right word, but there was definitely a little bit of scuttlebutt and some pushback having the event at the same place for the next three years. Now, Greyhawk has a couple of different courses, right? So they have the Talon and uh, I think there's 36 holes there. I can't remember what the other one was. So they yeah. may mix it up for the uh, golfers going uh, back next year. But, you know, your thoughts on having it at the same place for three consecutive consecutive years, bud. So I'm not a huge fan of it for, there's pros and cons to it. You know, there's, there's pros for us as fans that watch it. Like I did, I did get to watch quite a bit of it that you get to know the holes. That's why I guess the national is such a favorite because everybody knows the holes, where to land it, what happens, the danger that the players can get into. So the risk rewards that they've got to face. And so that's kind of cool for the fans. If you, if you really watch a lot of it, um, you know, some teams may have a little bit of advantage if they've got some freshmen, sophomores, juniors that have been last year, they get to go this year. Cause usually at most of these college tournaments, the NCAA only allows them one practice round. That's not very much time for them to get a good feel for the course. That is really tough. And, and you'll see that uh, in first rounds. Um, it happened here at Carson this year at the regional, uh, the biggest thing that I request from the NCAA is not to host the events at a school's home course. That is, even though, you know, we're big Oklahoma fans, when they held that event at Carson Creek, that is such a huge advantage is, yeah. for Oklahoma State. Uh, no matter what you say, you still got to go out and play the course. Um, but, you know, I, I saw it firsthand with guys uh, this year at, at the regional that were shooting in the 80s their first round, the second round going out and shooting in the 60s. 
right after that. They knew what to do. They knew what to take off the tee. They know where, where to avoid. And that's huge having that knowledge. If you play there every day, it, it, it's, it's too much of an advantage. Um, it, no matter what team or where they're at, I mean, it's, uh, that would be my only request. So I think uh, Arizona State obviously would probably have a little bit of advantage there, but it's not their home course. It's a bit, it, that's a hike from Tempe. That's oh yeah, a, yeah. So that the north ends end of Scottsdale to where Greyhawk is, all the way down to Tempe. So the, the last day that we were there, so the wife and I actually yeah. made that strip. We went down Scottsdale Road just yeah. to kind of check out the sites and stuff. And yeah, yeah, I mean it's a it's a forty five minute, fifty minute hike uh, from one end of town to the other there. Despite the fact that it's you know people just consider it Phoenix, right? But uh, there yeah. there is some uh, uh, urban sprawl out there. It's uh, certainly a big <laughs> big from an aerial uh, extent as well. But no, you mentioned yeah. that having it at a home course, uh, definitely an advantage there. We saw it work to Oklahoma State's advantage, what, in 2018? And then I think, was it Oregon? I think Oregon won in Oregon. 2016 on their home course, right? And Eugene, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, no, yep. I, I no agree doubt, with you there. Man, back, back to the the action, you're right. Pepperdine, they deserve uh, the tip of our caps uh, for, for running through. I really, honestly, I was predicting that OU was going to win uh, after seeing Pepperdine, you know, how well they had to play against Oklahoma State because they did not lay down for them. Even though they won four and one, um, Austin Ekro played amazing. He, I think, he shot a couple under on the front nine and was making birdies. The dude made a hole in one on him. So what are you gonna do? I mean, the momentum you, you can't stop that momentum. Um, and uh, so for you know Pepperdine to win that match, I really thought they they might have uh, used all their energy up for that, but they didn't. They they and they're good all year long. They're winning tournaments, so it's not like a fluke. It's not like they got hot. They were the best team in the country this year. And it's cool to see that come out in, uh, in, in the national championship. Some, some teams argue we should just leave it at stroke play um, because going to match play, uh, you know, after four rounds of already playing stroke play, it may be the best conditioned team <laughs> that makes it through and wins the championship. Maybe not the best team, but I think the best team won this year. Pepperdine was my hat's off to them. Yeah, absolutely. You can't you can't argue with again the the teams that they had to go through there, and then that that final day of stroke play too on Monday. Man, they got hot, right? So as a team, I think they shot nine or ten under and moved <laughs> moved up. You know, uh, several yeah. several slots. They ended up going off as the three seed, but they you know they yeah. flip flopped with uh, with OU. Definitely jumped them, uh, and, and so they they were able to carry on that momentum. Uh, from a tremendous uh, round there on the last round of stroke play. So, yeah, and, and they were a fun team to follow and, you know, a bunch of good kids on the team, it seems like. So, um, you know, the Highsmith kid with the bucket hat and kind of the goofy yeah. le- left-handed swing. I know you're a lefty as well, so uh, yeah. you pro- probably get some thoughts on that. But uh, he was a fun kid to follow. How, obviously had the connections to Freddie Couples. They talked about that on the broadcast. Uh, the Minotti kid was was fun to watch. The Virchich kid uh, was really good. Then, obviously, you know, William Mao, we know about him from the Walker Cup as well. And, uh, I mean, he he put it to Quaid, you know, in that uh, that anchor wow. match there on Wednesday afternoon. And so, um, again, as you mentioned, you got a tipper cap to them. Uh, congratulations to Pepperdine there. Uh, certainly a deserving champion for 2021. But, you know, you know, Hop, I want to talk to you about, let's start with OU. Yep. And maybe the legacy of those seniors, right? We, we talked about, you know, Coach Hibble, we had him on the podcast, you know, back in February and talked about, you know, a lot of these guys decided to come back 
despite the yeah. fact that they probably could have, you know, went out and got on the corn ferry or tried to, you know, qualify or do the things yeah. that they uh, uh, are going to do now. But Quaid, Reban, Brightwell, you know, what what's the legacy, do you think, of these guys? You know, Quaid obviously was a part of that team that won the national championship for OU in 2017 as a freshman, I believe. So uh, a guy that had a lot of second-place finishes, it seems like, and so accumulated a lot of points, you know, from a amateur standpoint and obviously got to play in the Ryder Cup or uh, Walker Cup, excuse me, you know, Reband had been so good for so uh, for the whole year, and then my goodness, you know, your heart goes out to him. He just kind of lost it out there at Greyhawk, and then Brightwell, you know, was kind of a, a guy that transferred in, but uh, played really, really well while he was out there at Greyhawk during the week. But you know, what what would you consider perhaps to be the legacy of these uh, these Sooner seniors? I think ten years from now, I'm going to remember. I may not remember Brightwell, but I'm definitely going to remember Quaid and Reband, obviously Dawkey as well. I'm, I'm you know lumping them in. Um, the, the Burley bros, uh, is that what, is that what they call themselves? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Burley bros. Um, and so, uh, I, you know, I, I know I'm going to, I'm going to think back and I'm probably going to think, you know, that was the greatest team that OU has ever had. I assume not knowing their history very well. I know they've had a lot, a number of great individual players come through, but I could, I would not be surprised if this is, to me, it may not be the foundation. The foundation may have been laid prior to this team, but I think moving forward, this is the team that 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 says recruiting here is going to be a whole lot easier now because we've this this solidified and justified the program that it wasn't a fluke back in you know when they won the national championship. We can keep recruiting, we can keep backfilling, and the OU program really is good. It wasn't just a one-off year. Um, and, and I think you're seeing that in the recruiting, uh, the past couple of years. And, uh, so I, I, if I'm, if I'm predicting 10 years from now, what I'm thinking about their legacy, I think, I don't think it's the foundation. I think, I, I, I don't know how, what metaphor to use, but I, 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 I you're really going to think highly of, of Quay, Dawkey, Reban, um, and, uh, Blaine Hale, you know, Hirschman. Throw those guys in there. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe the legitimization, right? So it legitimized sure. what Coach Hibble and that that squad did in 2017, and kind of carried it forward there. But no, I'm with you. I, I think that, uh, and, and what a good legacy to be, right? So I mean, to, yeah. to leave behind, I should say, but by those guys, and again, we we certainly wish them uh, the best of luck. I, I you know Quaid had a tough day today. I saw from a U.S. Open qualifying as well uh, for kind of that uh, that final 36 hole run, which we'll talk about that a little bit later on. I know Reban was teeing it up. Uh, getting ready to join his uh, first Corn Ferry Tour event as he finished in the top five uh, of the PGA Tour U rankings, but but let's take it up to Stillwater uh, Hop. So so you're you're a poke, right? So you're you're a big uh, Oklahoma State golf fan as well. OSU season, can you consider it a success? And obviously, there's always lofty expectations of Oklahoma State golf, right? It's kind of like almost like OU football now, to where if you don't win the national <laughs> championship, it's a disappointment. But man, this was a really young squad outside of Austin Eckroat, and to make yeah. it all the way to the Final Four and, and to lose to the eventual national champion, I mean, Coach Bratton, you know. He, He's obviously going to – it's going to be disappointing to say, well, you know, we, we would have liked to have won uh, because that's yep. the ultimate goal. But he's – on the inside, he's got to feel pretty good about this team going forward, right? Uh, 100%. I, I agree with you there. Um, I – I just to clarify, I am not a poke by graduation. I graduated from Wichita State, Wushock, but my sister did play softball there, and I'm a member at Carson Creek. So that those are my ties there. Um, to uh, Oklahoma State, definitely pull for those guys. 
Um, and I, and I was, I was at the clubhouse the, the day after. And, uh, I, I, I can tell you it was, it was a little somber. Um, I think, uh, you, you're exactly right. Their expectations every year are to, to contend and win for a national title. And, and they 100% contended, no doubt. Um, to me personally, I think they exceeded expectations. Um, the very, I went back and looked at the results. The very first tournament of the year back in the fall, they took eight out of 10 teams. OU was in that tournament, number one in the country. They won that tournament by six strokes. Um, they continually improved every year, came around to the spring. Their last few finishes were first, first, third, first, first, and then third at nationals. Um, so by the end, you know, those friends, like I said, they were a very young team, those freshmen. They started figuring out what this college golf is all about. Um, they're going to be scary next year. Yeah. yeah uh, no, no, no doubt about it. I mean, you talk about, you know, the youngsters, you know, Bo Jin. You got Eugenio yeah. is just a, a sophomore, I believe. Uh, you know, obviously, Amon Gupta will be returning as well. And then Brian Stark played pretty well out Ooh. at uh, uh, Greyhawk <laughs> as well. So, again, you know, going to lose Austin Eckroat, and that, that's a big loss, right? So it's hard to replace an All-American, a guy that's been as good and solid as Austin has been. But, uh, obviously, he's going to be moving on to the professional tours as well. And, uh, yeah, I think, you know, the future is always bright from an Oklahoma State golf perspective. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I uh, I think I made the proclamation uh, maybe, I don't know if it was on the podcast with Jay Till last Monday night or maybe it was a tweet that I sent out uh, uh, later in the week is that I guarantee you Oklahoma State will be back in the at least the final four of match play next year at Greyhawk. You can go ahead and set your watch to it right now. So it's going to happen. That team, too deep, too strong, uh, and yeah. just too good uh, not to, uh, to get better uh, over the next year. And so they'll definitely be one of the favorites headed back out to Scottsdale. Uh, next year. So, well, we'll hop, you know, we did have a U.S. Open this weekend, my friend. So, uh, the, the women's U.S. Open, you know, we kind of alluded to the U.S. Open on the men's side coming up here in a couple weeks uh, out at Torrey Pines. But uh, let's go up the coast, my friend, to the Olympic uh, Golf Club there uh, in the San Francisco area, uh, the 2021 U.S. Women's Open. And, you know, uh, unfortunately, you know, I, I think the, the, the lead story that we have to start with is, is maybe one that's somewhat ugly, right? And that would have to be Lexi and, uh, you know, whether well, I think we were, we were swapping tweets about it yesterday afternoon. Was it a collapse? Was it a cave? Was it a buckle? I don't know how you how you qualify it, Hop, but it, it was hard to watch down the stretch, wasn't it? It was a massive choke job. Colossal. And I, I, I'm not a huge Lexi fan. But it was awful to watch. It was so hard. It's, it, my heart breaks for her. Um, there's no other way to put it. It, it, it. In my mind, it's not like somebody shot five under and came from behind and won it from her. It's not. She did not play well on the back nine. She shot 41 after playing so solid all three and a half other rounds. Got to the back nine. The double bogey kicked it off. I, man, I was like please get off this bogey train, somehow figure out a way to mentally uh, get your edge back. And it it was obvious from the shots that she hit, the tentative putts, she was choking. And and that's what happened. And that doesn't mean she's always going to choke from here on out. That doesn't mean she's a choker. That's just what happened. 
Um, and, you know, I know the announcers were trying to tiptoe around it. I felt bad, actually, for one of the announcers, Morgan Pressel. It was her first announcing gig ever. Yes. And she's getting put on a spot like, hey, and the guy was, you know, he, he, he put her on the spot. Hey, call your friend Lexi a choker. And she, <laughs> she was trying to dance around it, but there's no there's no other way. It was really hard. Um what did you think? Did you get to see much of it? I did. I, I watched it all unfold, certainly the back nine. So I, I didn't get to catch the a total uh, coverage on, on Sunday afternoon, but I definitely caught her back nine. And, and I think you're right. You know, what really kind of drives it home or, or maybe what made it worse is that mm-hmm. the putts, right? I yeah. mean, she was leaving putts, you know, three or four feet short, you know, just not even, you know, so tentative and so, yeah. and, and, you know, we've, we've all been in those situations, you know, obviously not playing for necessarily U.S. Open, but, you know, been yeah. in situations where we have something on the line and the putt really means something and, and you, you can feel it, right? So you're, you're, yeah. there are nerves that are there and, um, and to see that play out, you know, obviously on national television, again, oh. hard, hard to watch there. And obviously we'll talk a little bit more about some of her, you know, the, or I guess, lack of a post uh, round interview as well, but, you know, I wanted to uh, uh, throw a clip on here, a uh, hop from our man, JT. Uh, he was watching it up in Kansas City, and here's what Jonathan Teal had to say. Hey, guys. Uh, checking in. Uh, man, just tough to watch from Lexi Thompson. Uh, caught it here and there over the radio and then here the last couple holes from the hotel. Uh, I don't know if Olympic is absolutely cursed or what's going on, but... Uh, Man, hard to watch from her, no matter how you think of her. You just got to feel gutted for her. Um, Congrats to the champ, no doubt. But, you know, just got to uh, send out condolences to Lexi. Uh, Could be deceased officially at this point. Uh, Who's to say? Uh, Look back to being with you guys on the pod next week. But until then, over and out from Kansas City. Yeah, you heard Teal there reference. Uh, don't know if Olympic is cursed. I think what obviously this was the first women's U.S. Open that they've hosted their hot, but uh, have hosted you know numerous uh, uh, men's U.S. Opens as well, if I'm not mistaken, or not maybe maybe PGA Championships, okay. whatever it was. But the 54 hole leader has never closed the deal. Uh, for a major championship at Olympic. And obviously that uh, continued yesterday oh. uh, afternoon, unfortunately for Lexi there. But uh, but congrats to the winner, right? So And let's let's talk yeah. about that, uh, Hop, because we had some drama, right? There was drama with Lexi, but then there was also drama as to deciding a winner. Uh, three playoff holes is what it took, but uh, uh, the Philippines' Yuka Sasso wins on the third playoff hole over Japan's Nasa Hataoka. Um, I mean, they, they were steady, Right, as you mentioned, you know, down down on the back nine on Sunday afternoon, kind of continued that into the playoff. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm not going to pretend to know a lot about Yuka Sasso, but uh, she played well yesterday afternoon. You got to tip your cap, right? 100%, yeah. I mean, I, I got to tell you, after Lexi's collapse, I had a hard time being engaged with the playoff. I had it on um, – I don't know if I was burnt out or just bummed. Like I said, I'm not even a big Lexi fan. I was pulling for not for that not to happen because it was so hard to watch. You want to see you you don't want to see that happen to somebody. No matter well, I don't know. Maybe maybe P. Reed, Public Enemy Number One, might <laughs> might that I'd be cool with that. But still, that's that's awful. But I don't want to take anything away from Yuka or Nasa. You're right. They played absolutely amazing. Yuka, like she steadied the ship. She had, it's almost, some people say it's almost better to bogey the first couple holes, double bogey that first hole, get it over with and, and get in the fight, maybe slaps you, wakes you up. Um, and, and 
you know, obviously what happened to Lexi's it happened late in the round and she could, she couldn't gather herself. Everything started moving so fast. Um, but you could played, I think the last 15 holes in 200 par, something like that, yeah, which, right. <laughs> which is incredible. So, so props to her, um, AKA, you know, the next Rory swing, uh, I don't know if you saw if you saw the comparisons. The Roy, I, if you saw the telecast, you probably did. It, as, as all he did was, uh, you know, force feed Rory, you know, down there, which I love Rory. But uh, so we'll, we'll, I think we'll be seeing. You know, I, I think my question is 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 Yuka the next Lexi? Because she won. Lexi won her first major at the exact same age of nineteen. Yep. yep. And she hasn't won a major since. And there is so much parody. There's so many good golfers on the LPGA tour. You don't see multiple winners very much. It's not like Lorena Ochoa, Annika, um, you know, dominating. There, there's, there hasn't been a dominating figure in a long time. And I, I think it could be because there's so many good golfers. It's hard to win multiple majors. Yep, I, I agree 100%. Uh, but, you know, you mentioned, you know, the, the relatively young age of, uh, of Yuka Sasso, you know, obviously tying it back to Lexi uh, a few years ago as well. But, um, you know, another teenager kind of almost stole the show here uh, whenever it was all said <laughs> and done. Uh, Hop obviously didn't end up winning, but 17-year-old Mega Gone, right? So I think it's from New Jersey, if I'm not mistaken. Um, hey, uh, what a name. Yeah, yeah, I love the name. In her post-match interview, Hop. I mean, I tweeted it out there. My goodness. I mean, the the if if more of the youth of the country uh, were it was as well spoken and as polished and just so composed in that moment, uh, certainly coming off you know her final round of a U.S. Open. I mean, uh, the, the, we would be in great hands. Please. I was so blown away, so super impressed by her, not just from her performance on the course over the last four days, but her interviews afterwards as well. I mean, she's she's going to do big things, whether it be in golf or whether it be life in general, man. I'm, I'm all on Mega Gone. I'm buying all the stock, man. So she was incredible. <laughs> loved it. Loved it. I'm with you. I don't have anything else to add. I'm just over here shaking my head 100%. I think everybody did. It's hard not to fall in love with her. Um, yeah, she's, she's a superstar and she's got a superstar name to go along with it. That helps. <laughs> I don't care what superstitions you're into. That's, that's, uh, Hey, that's I, part, I'm, part of being marketable, right? So having yeah, that name, yeah, you think about Quaid, right? The big Q, oh, you know, I, at I, OU, that's part of it. Yeah. Oh, I was seeing, yeah. Twitter, Twitter. Yeah. People are making up nicknames for her all over the place. So yeah, her, the headlines write themselves, right? Yep. Absolutely. Um, loved yeah. it. Loved it. Yeah, so she she was she was definitely fun to watch, uh, especially being in in the final group is unbelievable. Um, and uh, to your point, yeah, she's already super mature. She's already played in the U.S. Open before. She's played in other big tournaments, um, and she talked about uh, you know just the mental process that her and her team and her, her coaches work on, and that's why these kids are coming out on tour and and winning and competing. Uh, you know, faster than they were 10, 20 years ago. Um, you know, a lot of people have the, the physical capabilities, but to be able to have that mental uh, game is uh, what separates, you know, the, the, the winners from the losers, the guys making the cuts, the guys make on the corn ferry tour from the pro tour. It's um, they've all got, they all can bomb it and, and put it and, and spin it. So it's uh, between the ears, you know? 
Yep, absolutely, 100% agree. And then from a local tie-in on the amateur front as well, Hop, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Oklahoma State's Maya Stark, right? So she finishes one stroke behind Mega, I believe, at plus four whenever it's all said and done. But, man, she played really well out there as well. At one point, you know, I think she was one over, and she was in. The, she was definitely in the top ten. So uh, okay, she, yeah. she, had, she had some flashes there to where it looked like maybe it was all going to come together for her. But uh, great plan for her. And, obviously, she was an absolute stud, just a standout for Oklahoma State over the last last two seasons, you know, led that Oklahoma State women's team uh, to the national championship match. Obviously, you know, they fell just short uh, as well, but uh, incredible player. And uh, again, she's going to have a great career as well, right? Yep. That's uh, her, her finish was not a fluke. She finished in the top 20 last year as well in the U.S. Open. Um, so I say just give her a tour card straight out the gate. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. So that, there needs to be something like that. You know, obviously, we saw the PGA Tour U now uh, on the guys' yep. side as well. So we need something for the women as well. Maya would be first in line, in my opinion, for one of those. But, uh, yeah, she's going to do just fine. So looking forward to following her career uh, as she kind of gets out there and gets on the professional tours here soon as well. But uh, uh, let's talk about the guys, uh, Hop. Right. Let's talk about what went down at Muirfield uh, at Jack's tournament, the Memorial, a weird – Saturday afternoon uh, that led over into a weird Sunday, I, I guess, my friend. But, I mean, obviously the story, uh, and everybody's probably heard about it by now or saw tweets about it or what have you, but we got to start with Big John Rom, the Spaniard. He was winning this thing going away. It was, it, was, it was done and dusted Saturday afternoon. And then essentially after he finishes his round, they're waiting on him on the 18th green to inform him that he's tested positive for COVID and has to withdraw. I mean, just a surreal experience, right? Uh, 100%. Yep. I, I, I didn't see that live. Um, saw the video highlights like, like probably everybody else. Um, and, uh, I, there's absolutely, he, he was not going to blow that lead, yeah. uh, six shot lead at the Memorial. He wasn't going to get nervous. He's played well there before. Um, you're right. It was a done deal. And the, the rest of the guys, I, I, I totally think they should be uh, chipping off whatever th- their, their second or third place or fourth place finish was going to be and give the rest to, to, to John. He, he, uh, he, he probably, that's 1.8 million that um, he, he probably was, he, he was pro- he's, he's probably going to miss out on um, and uh, that he, he had in his pocket. Uh, I'm not sure I have much else on that other than, you know, I, it's a fluid situation. So obviously, something that the tours never had to deal with before. I'm not sure a worst case scenario could have happened for the tour. Where, I mean, maybe if it was Tiger, then what, would they have done something different? I don't know. I'll give them. I'll give them a pat. At least, you know, at least they had the rules in place for. Hey, this is how we're going to handle this. That doesn't mean that I agree with the rules or the rules are right. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not knowledgeable enough on the situation to know that. What I don't give them a pass on is telling him in front of the TV cameras. Yep. Yep. I don't understand that. Do you know? Do you have any insight on that? I have no idea why they done that. Okay. And obviously, you saw the emotion in his face. Yeah. I mean, he was devastated, right? And who wouldn't be, right? After three damn near flawless rounds, right? And knowing yes. that you've got you're going to have a six stroke lead going in uh, to the yeah. final day, you can probably put it on cruise control and win. Uh, yeah. I'm with you. There was no need for that. And you know, the guys on the broadcast, it seemed like maybe they didn't really know about it either. But other yeah. than just 
you know, somebody, some producer got in someone's ear and said, well, let's wait and let's get it on live television or something. It's going to be dramatic or what have you. But I'm, I'm with you. Kind of a, a, a kick below the belt there, in my opinion, to, to do that to him. It's like I said, essentially, as he's walking off the green, it was crazy to, to see that all unfold there. But I, I will say, you know, John Rahm's response, you know, he kind of sent out a message there, whether it was on Twitter or Instagram, I can't remember now. I kind of had a, uh, a recap. Uh, he was very diplomatic, handled it uh, as about as well as you could possibly handle it after he had a moment to kind of reflect there. Um, you know, I, I'm a fan of the guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I know he 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 has some uh, what we would consider, uh, you know, Spanish, you know, the, the passionate flare-ups right out yeah, there. He, yeah, he, can, yeah. he can get frustrated right from time to time, shows a lot of emotion out on the course. Uh, yeah. But, um, you know, the guy is is so uber-talented and be such a big guy and hit it a long ways. He has such such great touch as well yeah. uh, around the greens, and his short game is so good. But, uh, man, that his his response to uh, – uh, after after later on that evening, you know, was, was very classy. I thought, and uh, uh, you mentioned that. Hey, you know, the guys, can we can we get them to ship some of that money his way? You know, what what I what I'm proposing is that we got to get Cantley, and we'll talk about the winner here in a moment. Um, Cantley and Rom to play in the off season at Muirfield, kind of a, a the match 3.0, whatever we're going to call it. Right, put up that difference between first and second place. Right, we can raise some money for charity. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, right? So, you know, play some skins or do something, right? Make some fun, uh, something fun yeah. out of it because uh, – but you, you mentioned the worst-case scenario. I mean, just the, the freakish, crazy odds of – you know, it's one thing if it's a guy that's in 51st place, right. you know, but the guy was leading and it wasn't even close. He was dominating, man. He was going to win yeah. the tournament. Oh, just yeah. an absolutely insane, insane uh, chain so, of events. I've got a question for you. So – Going forward, I'm not a big fan of changing rules as we go along, but going forward for the next tournament, could they set it up to where he could have gone off as a single? And this is not my idea. This is every, you know, tons of people have said this, but I, I could, don't you think they could set that up to where he could go off last as a single? Uh, yeah, you know, I'll say the, the attorney in me, uh, Hop, will, will, yeah. will say that the, the cautionary – approach that everybody has taken to this uh, not just from a sports standpoint but from a you know across the world in general yeah. I don't know if they'll do it in which you know they it did sound like they knew he he had disclosed the fact that he has he had crossed paths earlier in the week with someone that had right. tested positive because he was under special protocols on Thursday right. Friday Saturday right going up to right. it uh, because he had limited uh, access to the locker room and they were doing some yeah. special things for him and just yeah. you know unfortunately the the test came back negative it was negative it was negative and then obviously yeah. on Saturday afternoon it finally came back positive so you know yeah. I don't know man I don't know there, there would point. there would probably be a way that you could do it uh, but right. it might not be it sounds sounds harsh to say it may not be worth the trouble, right? So to have yeah, to go no, through no, all no, jump no, all the hoops. We live in a, a very litigation friendly culture, and and if somebody were to get sick and and uh, could somehow point it back to him or the PGA Tour, yeah. uh, you're you're probably right. There's probably a team of lawyers telling the PGA, you know, heads that are making the decisions. You absolutely cannot do that because it's not like they didn't have that idea and think about that. Yeah, and I think uh, that the optics of it as well probably wouldn't yeah. come off so great. You know, obviously so many things are driven by uh, viral uh, uh, social yeah, media yeah. things and stuff, and so that the optics of it probably wouldn't. Even if he felt great, you know, he could come out and say, "Hey, look, I don't, I have no symptoms. I'm asymptomatic. Yeah, right. I feel totally fine. I, I still yeah. don't know that it would look good from that standpoint, uh, right or wrong." But uh, yeah, just point. a weird, weird story, man. All, all yeah. together, but. 
Let, let's talk about the winners. I mean, there was, again, similar to the, the Women's U.S. Open on Sunday afternoon yeah. as well. There was drama about who was, maybe who didn't win it, but then there was drama about who was going to win it as well. Uh, Patrick Cantlay and Colin Morikawa end up tied at 13 under. Whenever it's yeah. all said and done, those guys go to a playoff hole, and uh, uh, Pat Cantlay, the UCLA product, he wins it on the first playoff hole over Morikawa, but uh, some drama there, right? So it was kind of fun where the rain was coming down, so it kind of had a cool setting there, the slow-mo picks. You can see the raindrops coming down. Uh, good uh, good TV coverage from uh, CBS. Got to give them credit there on Sunday afternoon. But your thoughts on the playoff and Pat Cantlay uh, winning it overall? You know, there, there are two studs. Um, I don't have a whole lot of thoughts or, or great insight to add because it was going on and finishing at the exact same time as the women's tournament. So, And I was way more engaged with that tournament throughout the week. Um, I love golf in Northern California and in the Bay Area. Love that golf course. I've, I've been to um, Muirfield and, and I've been to the Memorial Tournament before, so I do like that as well. But for some reason, I just wasn't into that tournament as much as I was the Women's Open. Um, obviously, it's a major, um, but for some reason, it, it, it just didn't capture my attention. I had it on, t- on the TV. I was watching it. I know I saw you know Patrick make the putt. I saw Colin miss his. Um, but uh, it, it was not I, – I think I, I may have just been emotionally exhausted from, from Lexi yeah. <laughs> uh, bombing out. And I, I really I, – honestly, I did not care who won between Colin and Pat. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. It it was I was hoping that maybe there might be a couple more holes in it, right? So to see these two young yeah. guns kind of duel it out. Uh, and again, both yeah. guys played well. I mean, in comparison yeah. to to Rom over the first three days, I mean, nobody was playing as well as Rom before he went out, but those guys uh, played pretty yeah. well as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was fun to watch. And again, I, I, the TV coverage side of it, I had I had the the dual screen going, so had Olympic yeah. and the U.S. women's coverage on one, and had the uh, had the guys on the other. But uh, I'm kind of with you. I, I was I was more invested, I think, in seeing what seeing whether Lexi could fend off the uh, yes. the the the, the, uh, the avalanche that was coming and unfortunately she couldn't but uh, yeah I'm with you I was that was the same I was watching more US women's coverage than I was uh Muirfield yeah no doubt I did have I, I did see one really funny tweet that somebody this guy had said I wonder if Jack Nicholas got so upset that somebody is absolutely tearing up his course that he changed the results on the test to get, get Rom out of here. I don't want nobody tearing up my, my, my newly renovated course and dominating, making me look. Oh, I'm like, about to say, you love the conspiracy totally joking, theories. Totally yeah. joking. Not, not a real conspiracy. No facts behind that, but I just I thought that was really funny. Well, no, you mentioned it, though. Uh, it did uh, undergo a, a little bit of a facelift, right? So there was a lot yeah. of renovations, a lot of changing, yeah. you know, some new bunkering and some new things going on there at Muirfield. But the guys, for the most part, handled handled it pretty well. Now, again, there was yeah. some rain in the area, so maybe that softened up the greens a little bit and the conditions yeah. were uh, maybe a little easier to score on than what we would see uh, maybe in past years. But you're right. I mean, uh, there were some low scores out there, right? It, 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 yeah, it was. And he and he said that I did not try to make the course harder. Um, there were just some some holes that I felt were weak and, and wanted to improve upon them, which is really impressive because it's well ren- you know known across the tour and you know it, amongst – architect design nerds that it's a, it's a very highly regarded course. It's, 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 it's not like it needed a whole lot of work to begin with. It was already really good. Um, it, I heard somebody say that it doesn't show up as well on TV and I would agree with that being on site. It, it, it's a course that it's not one that I'm some courses I've been pro 
PGA Tour events I've been to, I'm like, I don't want to play here. It just looks like it's going to kick my butt. That one looked fun. A lot of fun shots and approaches and views um, and, and creeks running through it and different shots that you really unique holes that you normally don't hit. It wasn't just a boring hit it down the middle, bomb it on the green, avoid the rough and, 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 and move on. It makes you think a little bit. So, um, but I think uh, it sounds like, sounds like people like the changes. Everybody still love the course doing well. Um, and, uh, it is a really great stop on tour. Nope, absolutely agree. One of the uh, the must see events uh, over the course of the season as well. So again, anything that's obviously associated with the Golden Bear with Jack uh, that uh, that helps with the uh, the cachet uh, and the prestige <laughs> that goes along with that event. But uh, yeah, he's built a a little mecca there uh, at Muirfield, no doubt about it. So it's a it's a golfing destination. Uh, that's absolutely. Uh, for sure, my friend. So, well, well, let's move on to what we like to call the YSO grab bag hop. So, a couple quick stories here, some quick hitters in here. We mentioned earlier U.S. Open qualifiers going on today, nine different qualifying spots uh, across the country. They call it the longest day in golf, right? So, you might have saw that hashtag twendy, uh, trending out there on Twitter. We had Quade Cummins, uh, Oklahoma's own, there in Springfield, Ohio. Obviously, uh, didn't go so hot for Quade today, so he's not going to make the cut. We had Ricky Fowler and some other guys uh, that maybe you wouldn't think would have to qualify for a U.S. Open that was nearby in Columbus, Ohio as well. But, uh, you know, Hop, you're a pretty, pretty good golfer, my friend. So, you know, maybe, you know, can you relay to some of our listeners out there the uh, the grind that would be a final day U.S. Open uh, sectional qualifier, 36 holes on the course of one day, right? So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a rough way to make the Open, isn't it? 100%. I can't relate to what they're going through. At all. I, I did play a little bit of college golf and have walked 36 holes grinding, but it did not have the pressure of um, trying to make it through to a U.S. Open. Not, nothing that I would have done would have had the accolades that come along with that. Um, and so I have no idea what they're going through other than how tired they are. I can relate to that, no doubt. And, and you'll see a lot of guys, it's very common if they do not shoot a good first round, They'll just straight up withdraw and not even play the second round. Um, we have one other guy from Oklahoma State, Leo Oyo. Um, he's at the Bears Club today, paired with Kiradet, Affy Barnrat. Oh, love that guy. Uh, All name team. Love him. What a what a pairing, yeah, for uh, for trying to make it through to the U.S. Open. And Kiradet, was, he, he was doing all right. Um, I think Leo's probably not going to make it, but um, cool to, no doubt. Definitely cool to, to follow along with the local guys, see if they're making it to the U.S. Open. It, and, you know, we, we mentioned Ricky Fowler. I, I don't have the scorecard up in front of me here, Hop, so I don't know where Ricky is at. But, again, not a guy that you would expect would have to be qualifying for a U.S. Open, but uh, having to go through it. But he's his game has been coming around, though. We've seen it here over the maybe the last month, the last six, uh, six weeks or so. Some things are starting to click for Ricky, aren't they? Yep, no doubt. I think uh, – the, the swing change that he's that he's made, I don't know exactly why or what he changed. Um, I haven't been able to follow it. Or uh, it seems like it, he's starting to trust it, trust the process, right? Absolutely, that's what they say, man. They get Joel Embiid, uh, the whole uh, 76ers. We got, got to trust the process. So I'm with you on that. But uh, yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. And obviously, uh, probably tweet some things out about uh, any local stories, uh, tie-ins that uh, we find interesting for guys that are going to qualify and make the U.S. Open coming up in a couple of weeks. But uh, taking it over to the uh, the Champions Tour. Uh, hop Stephen Ames the Canadian wins the principal in Des Moines after yet unfortunately another collapse Tim Heron 
Um, I mean, you want to talk about a guy falling apart in a final round. Obviously, we saw it, what, a couple weeks ago on the Champions Tour, unfortunately for Steve Stricker in the final round there at Southern Hills. Tim Heron uh, finds himself uh, at that same fate, just kind of falls apart in the final round to allow Stephen Ames uh, to win there. I think Mike Weir, Weir, another Canadian, ends up finishing runner-up second there. But uh, um, how much of the the senior tour, the Champions Tour, do you catch, Hops? Did you watch a lot of it? I mean, other than Southern Hills, obviously the PGA right. Championship. We had the local tie-in here recently, right? Yep, got over there to Southern and got to see uh, – we, we could do a whole podcast on, on Southern, right, and uh, and that championship and, and the updates they've made over there. That place is amazing. Uh, but I catch up very little of it. That's probably the tour that I watch the, the least amount. I watch more college I, – I probably watch more high school golf than I do uh, <laughs> the senior tour, even though I think it's going to be getting really good here really soon. Uh, a lot of guys that we grew up watching, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s, are playing on it's cool to see it's cool to see them up front and and at their tour events uh that was that was the second i've been to two senior tour events um champions tour events and uh it, it, it's more relaxed there's not as big a crowd so they're great events to go to highly recommend um obviously watch the one over at ozark national um at big cedar like like seeing courses that it's fun to watch courses that you've played, you know, and see how, how they do on the same courses and say, well, I birdied that one. The bonehead just made a bogey on what's wrong with him. I could do that. Right. (laughs) Uh, right. So no, I haven't seen, I I didn't follow much of that. It just, you know, when I saw Steven Ames on the, on the report, it, you know, I, straight up think about the shellacking that he took at, at T-Dub's hands. So that's right. A great set of teeth though. Great teeth. Great teeth. (laughs) Um, they, they, they pop, man. So he, he's, uh, he's got a good dentist. I'll, I'll give Stephen Ames that. So, well, congrats right. to him getting a, getting a win out there yeah, on I the Champions Tour. Yeah. He needs it. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, now, one of the things that's been trending all week, Hop, and we, we got to talk about it a little bit here in the YSO grab bag, Brooksy versus Bryson debate, right? So there was a lot of uh, news going about, uh, uh, you know, again, kind of the Twitter feud or Twitter war that uh, is going on between uh, Brooks Kepka and uh, and Bryson DeChambeau, right? We saw the uh, leaked video, if you will, from uh, uh, Kiowa Island uh, a couple of weeks ago at the PGA uh, Championship to where, um, you know, Bryson kind of walks by and says something and uh, totally derails uh, Brooks's uh, uh, post-match <laughs> interview there. And it was great, great comedy, great television. Uh, yes. I guess it wasn't television. It was a great video to watch. Uh, but that thing oh. went viral and the uh, it kind of ramped up an already heated feud between the two and then, you know, maybe starting to hit a high point here to where Brooks Kepka essentially offers to buy a beer for anybody that, you know, messes with or heckles Bryson right. uh, while he's out there at Muirfield. You know, your yeah. thoughts on this uh, this feud here, the feud itself, is it good for golf? Is it bad for golf? You know, did Brooksy cross a line here? Your, your thoughts on this one, bud? And I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going around in circles with it. Um, and you know, because when, when you initially see something like that, it, I, you're super entertained. I, I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. Um, you know, it, 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 I wasn't surprised by any means, uh, by the video that, that, that Brooks did with, you know, with the interview that got leaked. Um, to me, I, I'm not a huge Brooks fan. I think Brooks is, is one of the fakest D bags on tour. Um, and, and I'm not a big, I, I'm just not a big, I think, which is weird because, you know, Bryson is, is some people consider him one of the fakest sure. guys on tour as well. And, and totally, I, I go along with that. Um, to me, Brooks is just a seventh grader, um, hasn't matured beyond that. 
And, uh, and I think um, I, I 100% think he crossed the line with, with basically incentivizing people to mess with Bryson while he's doing his job. It's one thing and fun. And, 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 and a lot of people talk about, we need more, it's more entertaining when, when we have villains and, and some, some guys going at each other in golf and it is, and, and more eyeballs, more people are going to watch. I'm going to watch if those guys get paired together, no doubt. But where I, what I don't like seeing is people and fans interjecting them into the entertainment. They are not part of the show. I did not pay my cable bill to watch the fans. I didn't pay my ticket to watch these other guys try to mess with Bryson while he's hitting. I want, I still want to see Bryson hit bombs and, and make birdies. I don't want to see people yelling in his backswing. And that's exactly what Brooks did. I'm not, I'm not laying a hundred percent fault with Brooks though, because what I think happened is that McLobe ultras advertising agency thought this would be a great idea. Calls up the brand manager. They call up Brooks's agent and to me, that's where it should have stopped. Yep. Brooks's agent, to me, it should have looked out for his image a little bit better and said, nope, don't do this. I don't, and I don't know if that's the sequence of events that happened. That is all pure speculation. Maybe it went straight to Brooks and Brooks approved it. Uh, but whatever happened, it happened very quickly. And they got that video out. Um, which I initially thought, oh, this is really funny. Brooks is on here and, and, and sees what's happening. It's always fun to see them interacting on social media that's not completely. Um, but then once you start thinking about, you know what, this is Michelob Ultra pulling the strings behind this. Um, they're also sponsored by Phil. They announced the match between them all on, you know, 526. Um, how real is this? Right. Uh, and so that's where I'm starting to be like, really now some outside factors are starting to play in here. And, and, you know, for people that are gambling and, and betting on these events, and if fans are out there costing Bryson or Brooks strokes, uh, that has an effect that the tour is going to have to probably step in and do something, which is, you know, not fun. Uh, but you're right. I, I, so those are my thoughts. I think I, I, I've spoken long enough with that. I'd love to hear what what you're thinking, what you're thinking on this. No, I agree. I think incentivizing fans or patrons to, you know, mess with the guy, heckle with the guy that, that crosses a line, I think. So, you know, the feud between the guys, you know, whether that's, you know, on the course or or off the course, you know, the locker rooms, whatever it is, I don't mind that, right? They're having a little yeah. bit of spice yeah. and saying, hey, I don't like yeah. that guy, and I'm going to go kick that guy's butt today. I'm, I'm sure. totally awesome. down with that. I love having a little bit of spice there. And you mentioned it, you know, Brooks, I mean, he's a kind of an abrasive. It seems like you'd be, like you said, kind of an ass, right? So, yeah. and, and, and he's an incredible golfer, right? You can't take away yeah. from his talent and what he's been able to do. Obviously, you know, he had injuries here over the last year. It's kind of derailed some things for him in that regard. But, you know, he doesn't seem like a super guy, fun guy to hang out with. <laughs> and, again, Bryson has his – uh, idiosyncratic, sure. yeah, uh, you know, he, he's, he's yeah. kind of a, a goober as well. Like, I don't know that I'd want to hang out and have a beer and play around with him either, but, yeah. uh, uh, but yeah, interesting. Uh, you, you make some, some good points there as to like, well, maybe there's some cooking to this, right? So maybe some right. things behind the scenes to where they're pushing this, uh, beyond maybe what the two individual guys 
at the heart of the debate uh, even even really care about. And so, right. uh, but you know, Bryson said as much. You know, you, you said it's like, hey, look, maybe the tour is going to have to get involved and do something here. And he, and I think his responses to some of the things were like, hey, look, you know, you know, Tony, I, I take it as a compliment, right? So you know, whatever you want to. Uh, he had some diplomatic responses to it, but essentially said, look, I'm not going to get involved in that. You know, if the tour wants to get involved and say something, that that's up to them. But you know, probably trying to tee them up to say, hey, maybe you guys should come in and say something or or do right. something about this. But yeah, I think incentivize fans to heckle or screw with the guy while he's out there trying to play that that's that's too much for me I'm, I'm not a fan of that yep totally agree well now one thing we, we touched on earlier hop and before we move on to the fairway files and, and we'll touch on this briefly Lexi you know declined a post round interview Sunday afternoon you know understandable to a certain degree yeah. given the collapse and, and kind of what transpired but you know it brought up some other things you know we were obviously you know swapping some text messages and uh, in, in emails uh, over the course of Sunday evening and this morning was you know you think about you know tennis right with the uh, French Open uh, Naomi yeah. Osaka saying hey she's going to withdraw because she's not going to do post round or post match interviews anymore you know the thought yeah. being you know, where do we draw the line there from the athlete and what they're doing on the field, on the court, on the pitch versus the part of the job that takes place away from the field, the course, the pitch, right? And that being interviews, right? So is that part of the job or can you, or can you draw a line there? Hop, your thoughts on that. Uh, I think I, you're right. I think, I think it's really hard to draw that line. And I've been trying to, and I've been thinking about it a lot today because I, I, I was really, Photos have started to come out from that press conference where Lexi's agent stepped in. She went, she went in and she tried to do what people feel like is part of her job to go in and answer questions about her round. And and she got through two questions. You can see in the photos, she's got tears in her eyes. And I felt gross even looking at that photo. I felt empathy for, I, I mean, I felt like we should not be putting her through that and making her miserable. That was, that was very sad. And, and I don't blame her agent for stepping in and pulling her out of that at all. On the other hand, we've made some other cases already on this pod that it is awesome to get to know these players through these press conferences. So I understand a little bit the benefit of having these post round interviews. Um, we got to know Mega Gane. And we get to, you know, find out some of their insight into their shots. And that's cool. Um, and, and you're right. Like, where do we draw that line? Um, and, and I'm thinking, of, I'm thinking back, like, is there, you know, a lot of people are saying that's part of their job. It's in their contracts. Naomi Osaka is part of their contract. Well, does it have to be? So, and wh- why are these post-round interviews um, in this day and age where there's other mediums for us to get to know the athletes, why is it mandatory for them to give post-round interviews as the loser of something? Could that be optional? If you want to answer questions afterwards, fantastic. And I guarantee you, if you ask Mega Gane after her first, second, third, and even fourth rounds, would you, could we ask you some questions? She would have probably said, heck yeah, I'd never get to do interviews and, and I'm going to go share, you know, who I am with the world. And that's fantastic. Um, do I do, did I really care after watching Lexi? Um, did I want to hear her try to explain herself? I did not because number one, I felt bad for, her. I already watched it. Number two, I don't think I was really going to get a truthful, honest answer anyways. When, 
when when enter, when when you know people go in after the World Series, the NBA Finals, the Super Bowl, it's awesome to see them interview the winning coaches and the winning players, and then they go into the losers' locker rooms and they're interviewing the losers, and I'm like, this is so cringy. Like I don't enjoy it. Maybe some people do, but is it worth it? Um, and I, I, I don't know if I can even get into the mental aspect of it and Naomi Osaka and how this is affecting her mentally because I've never had to go through that. So it's hard for me to judge that. Um, but you know, when you interview Bill Belichick after he loses the Super Bowl, I'm not getting any cool insight. I guarantee you, you're getting nothing from him. You're getting nothing but canned answers from everybody. So why is it mandatory? It, It adds nothing to the entertainment value of the fans for me, I pay my bills and the cable bill and these extra so I can watch the game. So I can watch this stuff. Um, you know, if I want to watch highlights, I can go watch sports center. Um, so with all of that said, <laughs> I'm curious from you, do you have, do you have a re or a good reason why these post round interviews should be mandatory for the losers? No, I don't. Uh, I think most of it is probably, you know, steeped in tradition whenever, you know, oftentimes it was print media, right? So, and I'm talking about newspapers and magazines to where, you know, nowadays you can get these things instantaneous, (laughs) right? So, you know, I don't, I don't know if they serve the same purpose as they used to, you know, having said that, you know, I, I, I do, I do think it's part of the job, right? So whenever you're, you put yourself in those positions and if things don't go right, you know, to, to, be able to field questions as to, you know, you know, you think about managers and coaches, as you mentioned, you know, Belichick as to, well, why did you, you know, why'd you call this play here at this critical point? Why'd you, why'd you make this substitution here? Why'd you do this? Why'd you do that? Uh, to kind of yeah. justify the thought process going on behind some of the decisions, it, it, whether they work out or whether they don't, um, you know, I think it's easy to give post round or post game or post match interviews whenever you win. Uh, I think it's obviously uh, everybody wants to talk about uh, things whenever things are going well. Uh, it, yeah. it takes a little bit more character, I think, to stand up there and answer questions whenever things have not gone well. Having yeah. said that, Hop, I rarely watch them, right? So the yeah, only time right, that yeah. I ever see a post-match or, or post-round interview is whenever somebody says something maybe they shouldn't have or there's sure. a bust-up yeah. or you know arguments or fights or it gets a little chippy or whatever it may be yeah. to where it Alan makes – Iverson is giving yeah. us a good line or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it makes it makes the rounds on on the, the regular yeah. news because of something they said or did at the post-match right. uh, interview. So I, I don't – you know, if they went away tomorrow, I don't think it would dramatically change I my life or viewing experience. Yeah. That's my point. Is is it going to affect my entertainment level at, at the expense of the damage that it causes to the confidence of the players? And if you talk to, I mean, all of these players, um, you listen to, you know, uh, uh, you know them talk about the fine line between winning, losing, making the cut, you know, finding Jordan Spieth talking about, man, I don't know, like. I'm still hitting the ball is good, but I just don't have the confidence. My putter, like it's, it's one week it's here, one week it's not. If they don't have the utmost supreme confidence in themselves, they're not going to perform well. They're not, they're going to, if they have a shadow of a doubt, they're not going to make that putt. And when you have to answer question, the same question 50 times as to why you're not playing well, maybe you start thinking, Oh, well, maybe there is something wrong with me. I would rather see, you know, my superstars, performing at their highest peak and not questioning their confidence. I love seeing these guys dominate and kick butt and, uh, 
And so I want them as prepared as possible. Yep. No, I agree. I agree. So, well, we'll hop, you know, let's move on to the fairway files, my friend. And really the fairway files, there's a lot of stuff, but I think we're going to, we're going to dominate the fairway files segment here with a a super fun event that uh, you and our man Jay Till helped put together uh, this past Saturday morning out at uh, uh, Stewie National, right? We like to call it Stewie National, but uh, uh, James E. Stewart Golf Course there just east of downtown Oklahoma City, a little nine hole track that's kind of tucked away, uh, a hidden gym. now, we, we got some clips that we're going to play, but I'm going to tee you up, Hop. Uh, now, I, I obviously, I interviewed you out there, or we, we talked about it out there uh, on Saturday morning, but uh, I want to kind of reframe that and, uh, and let you share with our listeners, you know, what the first annual, uh, maybe not even annual, right? It may turn into something much more than annual, the inaugural uh, yeah. mashy meetup, my friend. So set the stage for us, you know, what went behind the planning, you know, you and Jay Teal kind of putting this all together, the format, how it all played out. And, uh, you kind of set the scenes here and I'll play a couple of clips from the guys, uh, that were out there and participated with us on Saturday, bud. Sounds good. Well, I, first of all, I hope you don't get too mad at me. I'm going to have to give some props to JT because this was his idea and he did probably 75% of the work and, and, and he, you know, he is, he is a stud at, at, at coordinating and, and event planning and organizing, getting people together. Um, so this is really his brainchild. And, and, uh, I, uh, I, I, I was just along for the ride and helped out with a, a little bit, but basically what it was is we just wanted to get some guys together and highlight James Stewart national. It's a course that, that we enjoy playing, um, and that we think is kind of one of the forgotten, you know, one of the great public courses. We have a lot of great value and, and courses for, you know, in the public metro area here. And, uh, and James Sewer is one of our favorites just to go over there and get a quick nine. You can play 18, obviously, if you want, but, a, it, you know, a really easy walk. And we wanted to make sure that, that they're feeling a little bit of love and bring some people together that maybe might not have played there before or thought about playing there before and, and meet some new friends. And that's exactly what we did. We, we, we promoted it a little bit. We got 20 guys to come out. Um, want to thank Chalk again for – making us some breakfast burritos. We had breakfast burritos for them. Uh, obviously definitely want to thank, uh, clubby for providing, uh, the beverages, the swing lube, the swing lube. I can't talk. I'm probably had it. I haven't had any clubbies yet, <laughs> yet. Uh, but it, I, club, you're probably not supposed to use them for hydration, but they were so good. I was drinking them like water out there. Uh, they, they were fantastic. So I, the nerves, I had no nerves. Play, that's probably why I played so you good. You played incredibly I, well too. Yes. I, yeah. I, 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 I credit the clubbies. Um, so go out and get yourself some clubbies. Um, and, uh, there were a number basically, you know, there were a number of guys that, that had lived in the Oklahoma city area their whole lives and had ne- and play golf their whole life. And they'd never played James Stewart national, uh, or James Stewart golf course. <laughs> and, uh, and they had a fantastic time. We played with four clubs. Um, so just, uh, you know, a relaxed laid back competition. We didn't have trophies or anything, just grab four clubs and, uh, go out, meet some buddies, have some fun, drink some beer and, uh, you know, listen to some music and, and just have some camaraderie and, Made, made a number of new friends, and uh, so we got some new golf buddies after this. Absolutely, my friends. I had over 20 some or twenty guys and gals, right? So we had a, had a good turnout as well. And so you mentioned giving Jay Till some credit, and you know, despite the fact that you know, I, I begrudgingly will do so. But uh, here, here was uh, you, you set it up perfectly, uh, Hop. But uh, here was Jay Till's recap of the day. I got a chance to talk to him right after the round on Saturday afternoon. 
All right, joined by the Mish here, our good friend Jay Till. Jay Till, you know, talk to us about the origins of the Mashy Meetup and uh, and how you and Hop kind of pulled this thing off. I thought you did well today, right? Well, thanks. I appreciate that. The Mashy Meetup, in terms of origins, kind of came about because Hop and I really are big fans of James Stewart Golf Course, uh, Stewart National. Uh, as we like to call it, Stewie Nat. We actually have a group of guys that have deemed ourselves the Stewie Nat Society and um, just wanted to show it off, man. I think that it's in a part of town that most folks don't just come to because they don't live over here and so they maybe don't even know it's here. And then on top of that, if they've played out here three, four, five years ago, it was not in good shape, not well taken care of, and the city has totally flipped it to have great conditioning and so honestly just wanted to show it off and then the mashy meetup was kind of a what's well, a cool name for a four club challenge and so you got your brassy you got your mashy you got your niblick got your putter kind of throw a little throwback action yeah i love it love it now what four clubs did you end up going with till because i know there's a lot of text messages yeah, a lot of a yeah, lot of yeah. strategy before we teed off this morning but what did what did you end up with yeah well after all of that thinking through it and strategy um got here this morning got everything set up hop and i were kind of making sure everything was taken care of uh kind of looked up at the last minute and realized i didn't get my clubs out of my car and so i didn't put any thought into it. I basically pulled out everything except my driver, seven iron, pitching wedge, 43 degree pitching wedge, and putter because I just needed to do something quick because after all that thinking about it, I just uh, kind of panicked. So it, it worked out okay. Yeah, absolutely. I saw your scoreboard up there. You kicked my ass, so there's no doubt about that. So what oh, your your combination, your four four club combination was way better than mine. But we lucked out with weather, right? Oh weather gosh, was absolutely beautiful this morning. So kind of cloudy and overcast. I mean, temperatures were incredible and not a lot of wind. So the conditioning was great. But, you know, what can we expect moving forward here? You know, I talked to Hoppick earlier. I would classify this as a smashing success, right? So we had about 20-something people yeah. show up. So a lot of new friends, a lot of new faces. We had a hole in one out here today. Had that a was hole incredible. in one, bro. So, I mean, what, what more can you ask from the inaugural inaugural Mashy meetup? Man, probably not a whole lot. You know, I think that we got lucky in a lot of regards. You mentioned the weather. But then, yeah, planned on having – not planned on. We ended up having 20 guys. But then on top of that – two different times once i ran into my neighbor leah and she was finishing up nine and i said hey come join us and then ran into our man jeff trachtenberg big ymca donor he was just over here for the day just kind of hanging out a member at oklahoma city golf and country club said hey jeff join up with us so that's the vibe we want to create with uh, really anything we do but with the mashy meetup it's just about you know, we had some music going, had a couple of coolers on the course. Uh, again, the four club challenge is cool. So I, I think more of the same and just getting people to realize that golf can be chill and T-shirts and just hang out. And it's not all uh, stuffy like uh, maybe you'd imagine. But, you know, maybe we'll incorporate some of this stuff into the Slump Buster because, you know, it's coming up in a mere, mere few months. So great, great success. Couldn't have asked for more, honestly, Can. Yep. Now, well done by you. Now, we're going to miss you this week on the normal YSO pod, right? So recording this here on Saturday afternoon, taking the family on a little vacay and stuff, oh, right? Yeah. So can, can, you, can you share with us where you headed? Where are you taking the family? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm honestly more excited about this family vacation than I've been for a while because I've, I've been kind of absent from the family, to be quite honest with you. So I'm super stoked to spend some time with them. But going up to Kansas City, 
Going to do our first Great Wolf Lodge experience. Ooh, very nice. Actually going to take the family and play Bruff Creek National, B-R-O-U-G-H, Creek National. It's a like a homemade par three course. Going to do that on Tuesday morning. Then we're hitting Legoland. So I'm, I'm really excited to, to spend some time with the family, turning the phone off, going to be absent from the pod. But we'll have some special, special co-hosts to take my place. But uh, that's what we're doing next week in KC. That sounds like a lot of fun, bud. So enjoy it. You've earned it. Uh, well done by you, Mish, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, thanks, Ken. Thanks for being out here, buddy. You got it. Special, special co-host, Hoppe. He's talking about you, bud. I, I don't know how to take that. <laughs> very, very special. Uh-huh. Oh, no, he's great stuff. Hey, you guys, you guys did fantastic, though. We had a great turnout and a lot of fun. Now, now Till mentioned the hole-in-one. We talked about it there. I, I've got an interview from our man, Ryan, who made a hole-in-one here, bud. So I'm going to tee this up, Hop. So here's our guy, Ryan, a little bit of post-round recap of his hole-in-one out at the yeah. Mashie meetup on Saturday morning. All right, I'm here with Ryan, who carded his first-ever hole-in-one today on number seven here at Jimmy Stewart here at the Mashie meetup, bud. Ryan, walk us through it, man. So, I mean, how, how, how cool was that? It was awesome. I'm looking for a little bit more from the tee box and maybe the group in, in front of me. Uh, didn't quite read it as well as we'd hoped, so it was a delayed reaction, but definitely didn't act like I've been there before. Uh, I was pretty excited. I didn't take a photo. Probably should have taken the photo. Just went all in, but uh, no, it probably a life lesson. We're doing the four club challenge, and uh, Went with a smooth seven iron, which is not what I usually do from that uh, particular tee box, and it worked out really well. So landed about 10 feet in front of the hole and rolled out. And, yeah, something I'll never forget. Definitely pretty awesome to be with the three people I didn't know to, to do it. So really cool experience. Yeah, and I was one of those three randos, so I can attest to it. It did go in, people. But, yeah, let, let's let's talk about that moment because, as you mentioned, kind of a delayed reaction. We couldn't really see the, the hole, right? We could see the pin. Couldn't see the hole back from the tee box where we were at. The other group was kind of focused on what was going on ahead of them. And so we were kind of joking on the tee box, like, shit, that may have went in, right? And so, obviously, we walk up. There's no ball on the backside of the green. And so, well, we got to check the cup. And it was in the cup, right? Yeah, I, Doug was playing with us, and, and I know know that Doug was the first one that I could see the look in his eye he was tracking it he, he kind of saw the ball mark and he's like I think that went in so he was looking deep seeing if it went long so I actually saw Doug's look first and I knew like all right this has got a chance like uh, I, we made it check the cup and sure enough there it was so uh, yeah pretty pretty cool and uh, yeah never forget it absolutely man well go go enjoy it Go party, right? Whatever it is you're going to go do, right? So you mentioned you, you got, got a baby boy at the house, right? So go home, give the kiddo a hug and stuff, and uh, and go enjoy it this evening. But uh, I enjoyed playing with you, man. Congrats. You played well. Yeah, it's it's a great time. I better get out of here. I think they were calling for drinks on me, so uh, <laughs> I better bounce, get home to him. But, uh, yeah, I, I had a blast today. Well, enjoyed it, man. Congratulations. All right, thanks. Oh, man, Ryan, that was the most – nonchalant hole-in-one you're ever going to see, Hop. I, I can oh, guarantee you that. He, he said, he's like, well, I'm not going to act like I've been there before because I've never done that before, but he was pretty chill through the whole process, man. So he had some high fives and stuff, man. He was pretty low-key, but, uh, uh, man, that, it was so fun. Ryan's my boy. He, I used to work with Ryan for a few years, and, and he's he's an awesome dude. And I'm so glad that he came, and and I'm sure he is. I'm sure he's glad he came now too. But yeah, he he uh, he. I don't think he normally likes the spotlight. Uh, but yeah, I I think. But a lot of people they get a whole, they're gonna go running around high fiving everybody on the course. Uh, 
but uh, it's really, I didn't hear that whole story. So it was really cool to hear that. I'm, I'm glad, uh, glad he did that. That's really cool. Oh man, he was super humble about the whole day. He was like, "I'm I'm playing a lot better than what I normally shoot," and I think he went out and shot like a 33 on the front nine. He's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah he's a, he's a solid golfer, no doubt. Yeah, no, he yeah, was a fun guy to play with. Enjoyed enjoyed the uh, the walk with he's him, and uh, we had had a good time there. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, well, Hop, let's skip ahead here, man. So I know we're getting we're kind of short on time here. We're up over an hour now, and I believe you've got a, a, a t-ball game or a baseball game to get to, if I'm not mistaken, here uh, as well. But let's talk a little bit about the Palmetto Championship, right? Down at Congaree Golf Club, Ridgeland, South Carolina. It's essentially a new tournament, if we want to think about it in those those yeah. terms, right? Replacing the RBC Canadian Open, traditionally in this spot. Obviously, COVID restrictions in Canada, a little bit uh, more strict right now on kind of cross the border and all the things going on there uh so we're going to tee it up down in south carolina this weekend know anything about Congaree golf club uh, anything about ridgeland uh, what can we expect out there this weekend bud never heard of it so i had to google it before going out there <laughs> me too <laughs> uh, but i know uh, i found out it's a tom fazio design from 2017 so fairly new uh, supposedly it's going to play very similar to an Australian sand belt type course, nice. uh, Mel- Melbourne style, um, which affected who I, who, who my picks are this week. Um, so expecting it to play firm and fast, uh, supposedly unique to, uh, most of the courses that you normally see on tour. So, um, I hope I get to see a little bit of it, uh, this upcoming week. Um, not, not a lot of rough around the greens mown down real, real short. So, so they gotta be creative around the greens the ball will be rolling. Um, I know, uh, and I know DJ and Brooks are the favorites. That's about it, man. Yeah, uh, they are the favorites at eight to one, respectively. They're kind of tied up there at the top. So we've had a hard time kind of getting the updated betting odds. So uh, on the uh, usual websites that we go through, so we had to dig deep to find the odds uh, for the guys that we're going to pick here in a moment. But uh, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, definitely going to be an interesting watch, given the fact that it is relatively new. Don't know much about the course. Uh, you did a good job of breaking it down there as well. So love those Australian sand belts. Kind of maybe something like uh, what what our guys out in uh, Woodward have, right? Bowling Springs, maybe something like that. So. <laughs> Uh, so, got to throw yeah. those guys some love. I know Jeff Wagner, always a a big uh, friend of the pod as well. So we'll be coming out and seeing Jeff here pretty soon, uh, hopefully towards the end of the month uh, out at Woodward. So, But uh, uh, obviously, we want to get involved here. We're going to make some picks here, Hop, but uh, got to show some love uh, to our boys, uh, Scooter Gers and our man Chad, right with the Dirty Birdies, the DraftKings game that we put out each and every week. Uh, you'll be able to play that again this week. I know Scott's got it teed up already. Um, the, uh, the links are out there. You can get a hold of uh, Scooter if you want to play that, or you can go to our website at fantasysportspros.com com. Scroll down to the bottom to the weekly pick segment, click on the YSO tab, and you'll find the link there at the top. Kind of looks like an embedded spreadsheet. Um, the link will take you directly to the uh, contest sign up. You can jump in, compete with us, and uh, apply your trade at picking golfers. Uh, I'm sure you can't be any worse than I am uh, typically at these games, so you've got a good chance to get in the money uh, with the uh, the slap dicks and goobers that you're playing with uh, with uh, our crew here. So, But let's get to the picks, Hop. So, you know, traditionally, again, we go dark horse, cut maker, top tenner, and a winner, my friend. So you being the special, special guest, as Jay Till likes to call you, I'm going to allow you to go first, man. Who's our dark horse? Who's the guy that's further back in the pack from an odd standpoint that you think maybe has a chance to make a run definitely going to see the weekend gotcha you want me to go through all four of my picks or just just go, the dark horse? You go go through all four of them bud so i'll tee you up start start from the bottom and work your way to a winner all right dark horse rafa cabrera bayo plus 6600 
cut maker Alex Noren plus four thousand. Top tenner Sung J M two thousand. Winner Brandon Grace plus twenty eight hundred. Plus twenty eight hundred. The South African Brandon Grace. You mentioned you kind of influenced your picks there. So the uh, the South African guys did pretty well at uh, Kiwa Island. Uh, a few weeks ago as well, so might have uh, uh, some good insight there from you, Hop. So I like those picks, my friend. I like those picks. Sung Jay, always a a fan favorite here on the YSO pod, so can't go wrong with that. And Snorin' Norin, uh, as our man, a Sweet D, Dayton Rose likes to call Big Alex Norin there at forty to one, getting some good odds there. So did they play? Did they play together? They did. Yeah, they were at uh, oh. up in Stillwater at the same time. So They're I think right. that Snorin' Norin may have come from the fact that they were roommates for a while on a couple of road trips and stuff. So I uh, we'll get we'll get Sweet D back on the pod to uh, uh, share some of those uh, stories. He, he was a big hit whenever he was on the pod for the uh, Big Twelve Championship preview. So we'll get him back on talk a little more college golf, some of his good stories. He, so he was fantastic. Definitely one of the best pods you guys have had. Yeah. yeah. Yep, no, no doubt. Can't can't uh, disagree with you there. So my dark horse, we were we were talking about this right before we started recording. Uh, Hop, I'm going to go with David Lipsky. I have no idea who this guy is, but he's been doing pretty well on the European tour. So uh, we couldn't find odds on him. So he's got to be a dark horse. I don't know what his odds are, people, but uh, <laughs> I, I like his photo on DraftKings, and uh, we're going to go with David Lipsky. That's all the analysis that I have uh, on Mr. Lipsky. But uh, long shot uh, for my dark horse there. From a cut maker standpoint, I'm going to go with the kids kevin kisner right so uh, georgia boy right so we're down in south carolina not too far from home from kids hoping that he'll play well he's at 50 to 1 uh plus 5,000. my top tenner i'm going to go with lucas glover at 45 to 1 plus 4,500. and then one of jay till's favorites Harris English, I don't know if he's flushing the ball anymore, but uh, he's still playing pretty well out there on tour. He's at plus 2,800, same as your pick, uh, Brandon Grace at plus 2,800. So maybe there's some magic in that number this weekend, Hop, for our picks for the Palmetto Championship uh, down in Ridgeland, South Carolina. So, well, Hop, we're at an hour and 15 minutes here, my friend, so we're going we're gonna to wrap it up here, but... I appreciate you being on, filling in for Jay Till. Again, it's great to have some real talent on the podcast with me for once, my friend. You did a great job. I throw, throw some plugs out there, bud. So how can our listeners get a hold of you on Twitter, Instagram, to tee you up and go play around to golf with you, bud? I, I'm not sure I want any of the maniacs on here. That oh, there's some psychos that listen to us. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you've got, you've got like half of Oklahoma listens. You guys are the number one golf podcast in Oklahoma, right? Uh, I, I, you know, I haven't looked at the rankings. I don't know if there is a ranking system, but I, I will say that, man, I, we, we are incredibly blessed and fortunate. The, uh, the listeners to the YSO podcast has far exceeded any expectations I had from a numbers standpoint. I, I still can't believe, uh, you know, you guys and gals tune in and listen to me and Jay Till drone on about golf on a weekly basis. But, uh, I am very humbled and very blessed. Uh, we, we, it's, it's done, done much better than what we thought it would. I'll put it that way up. You guys are killing it. Uh, if, if anybody wants to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at the drone looper. So I do a little bit of drone work on this side, uh, just for fun, uh, a little bit of work for golf courses around here. Um, so if you want to reach me that way, uh, the, at the drone looper, uh, quick shout out to my parents. Hey mom and dad, i made it. <laughs> Great stuff, Hop. Great stuff. At the Drone Looper. Love that as well. Yeah, those uh, those drone picks are always really cool, too. Love seeing those visuals uh, of the golf course, the aerial photos and stuff. So you do, do a fantastic job of that, my friend. So Thanks, plugs for YSO Golf, man. You can follow Jay Till, although, again, Hop kind of uh, – 
commandeered the YSO uh, uh, Twitter machine yesterday afternoon for us, but uh, at YSO Golf on Twitter. Uh, Teal is out there at Jonathan W. Teal on Instagram. I'm sure he'll be posting some good photos from Kansas City as well this week. And again, he's going to squeeze in a, a little bit of golf on, on his uh, vacation as well. So it wouldn't be Teal if he wasn't able to squeeze in a little bit of golf. But I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing the pictures from Legoland. Like, I'm kind of jealous. Like, I kind of want to go to Legoland as a 40-year-old man. I don't know what that says about me, Hop, but a little bit jelly there. Uh, maybe I'll uh, get an opportunity to go up there later this summer. So, well, gang, that will wrap it up for this episode. But remember that the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going and to also keep up with everything we're doing over at the Sports Pros Network, you can check us out at fantasysportspros.com or on Twitter at sports underscore pros. And remember, that is pros with an E, P-R-O-S-E. Take care, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. And as always, get out there and enjoy the walk.